That's what they That's not what this is about. There was a video that went with this that changed the whole thing. Taking you back to 1977, I was uh, not even a thought in 1977. But uh, for some of you, that was that was just that was a flashback. But um, as you can guess, the title of the sermon is "Staying Alive," and we're having some technical difficulties. But that's okay because we're here to talk about God's word, and we're here to to grow and to change. And technology is great, but we don't need it. So. Uh, with that, let's, let's open with some prayer. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. We know that uh, there's no accidents, and we know we're here for a purpose and a reason. And Lord, we thank you for a country where we're free to, to come into your house of worship, Lord, and we're free to, um, to love you and to, to share our faith and without threat of persecution or, or threat of imprisonment, Lord, or death. And Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters all around the world this morning who don't have those freedoms and who are following you uh, regardless of, of their safety or, or their convenience, Father. And Lord, we do. We thank you for the men and women who have sacrificed and who have given their lives for this freedom that we enjoy this morning. Lord, go with us now as we dive into your word and we look into what you have for us today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, when I was 19 years old, I had this thing happen, and I was, I just woke up, I was heading to work early, and I was on some back country roads, and I came over this hill, and at the top, at the peak of this hill, it took a sharp left turn, it, it was kind of a hill that turned real quick, and um, I remember it vividly, I, I was, of course, at 19 years old, doing the speed limit, and, and perfectly legal, but when I came over the hill, I was met at the peak of the hill by a dump truck that was moving. And he was, he was right in the middle of the road. And I remember shutting my eyes and just thinking, this is it. I'm done, you know, because there's no way. And, and it probably all happened in a matter of two seconds. But when I opened my eyes, I was on the other side of the dump truck. And I, to this day, have no idea how I got to the other side of that dump truck. I, I'm convinced it was divine intervention, but I think we've all had those moments, those close calls, those things where we can't really explain it, and uh, we, we just kind of get through it, and after we stop shaking, and we, we kind of realize that God, or, or something just happened, an angel, whatever just happened that got me through that, and, uh, and I'm alive today, and I'm here and, and, you know, they write songs about it. I think Tim McGraw wrote a song about it, you know. When sky dive, everybody knows that one. So it, we have those moments where we just, uh, we can't explain it. But for a minute, we have that real appreciation that we're alive, you know, that we're still here. And what I want to get to this, this, this morning is that I think life is a, it's a, a lot more than just staying alive, and um, we cling to this life, you know. Some of us, it's going to be a doctor's visit that doesn't go so well, and we get some really tragic news that just rocks our world. It's those close calls. For others, it's every morning when you get up and you look in the mirror, and you go, man, I've got a few more gray hairs in the beard, or I've got some wrinkles, and, and I think time is just marching all over us. And our health is slipping away. Um, you ever wonder why we age? I was thinking about this this week. I've never thought about it really. But, you know, God could have made us anyway. And I think um, 
it's kind of confusing. I mean, it's natural for us. We age and we progress and we know it's part of life. But you ever think about that? Why do we start to decay? <laughs> Why do we start to get old? Why do we start hurting? Why does our hair turn gray? Why do, why do the health problems persist? What, what is that about? And, and I came to this. God gave me this, and, and it's pure mercy. Now, I know it doesn't feel like mercy when you wake up in the morning and it feels like your legs are broken, you know? It doesn't feel like mercy when you look in the mirror and, you know, you're, you're wrinkling and you're, you're like, man, what happened, you know? And I know that doesn't feel like mercy, but if you think about it, God's slowly telling us something. He's slowly telling us, you're going to die. <laughs> you know, you, there's something happening here. You're progressing to something different. You know, you're not always going to be 24. And I think it's mercy in the way that God's given us an opportunity to, to say, to, to reflect on that and say, okay, I need to figure some stuff out because the inevitable is happening and it's happening right in front of my eyes. And I, I, it always blows me away, people's ability to deny the inevitable. You know, you, you come across 70, 80, 90-year-old people who are just as hard to God and, and just as hard-hearted as they can come. And you're like, man, do you not see the evidence right in front of you? <laughs> Did you? Were you not there at your last doctor's visit when you got prescribed 12 different prescriptions? You know, I mean, it, it's coming. And I, I, I went through and I did some Google research. They're very reliable. And uh, it says in the, at the age of 24 is basically your peak. And after 24, stuff starts to head downhill. For example... Your cognitive skills at age 24 start to decline. And in 15 years, every 15 years, you lose 15% of your cognitive skills. Uh, between ages and 20 and 30, your reasoning skills begin to slow and your brain receptors don't fire as quick. I didn't think it started that early, but it does. And at age 30, in your mid-30s, your memory begins to slip as the number of neurons and your brain decreases. It takes longer to learn new things. Between 40 and 50, your reasoning skills will decline 3.6% over the next 10 years, fading in sharpness and memory, the ability to think quickly. But on a positive note, you do show better moral decision-making. Uh, you regulate emotions better. You read others better. That's not to do with your brain. That's more of a... Um, it's just experience. You know, you, you've learned, you, you've observed, observed, and you've, you've taken this stuff in. So that's the positive of your 40s and 50s if you're looking for something, you know, half glass half full type stuff. Age 60 to 70, your brain begins to shrink in size. And after a lifetime of accumulating knowledge and gathering information, basically for the first time, you struggle retaining information. You struggle um, taking in new things. Between 70 and 80, you continue to lose sharpness and the ability to think quickly and respond quickly to situations. That's why we have some, some wonderful elderly people who struggle on the roadways, um, the, just trying to react quickly to things that are happening around them. doesn't work out too well. And this one shocked me. By the age 85, 50% of us in this room will show signs of Alzheimer's. Um, and between the ages of 20 and 80, and that gap, mostly after the age of 50, you lose 40% of your muscle mass. Man, this is just a... Am I uplifting you yet? Are you guys really encouraged? Yeah. Um, I got more. According to the American Optometry Association, at age 41, your vision starts to decline. You start the process called presbyopia, which is the thinning of your lens, which would explain all these people over 41 with glasses on their nose for reading. Um, so your lens and your eyes start to thin. Um, you lose focus in your eyes. Once that starts, by the way, it progresses and never stops. That's the good news. Um, approximately one in three in the U.S. between the ages of 65 and 74 has hearing loss. 
and nearly half of 75-year-olds have trouble hearing. Um, researchers at the University of Colorado have determined that the average younger person, their max heart rate, that's if you're on the treadmill giving it all you got, is at 150 beats per minute. Now, the older person, 65 and older, if they get on that treadmill and give it all they got, they can get 120 beats per minute. So you lose 30 beats per minute after the age of 65. So your heart is slowing down. Your brain is slowing down. Your whole body is slowing. And as a result of your, your heart not pumping, you have less blood flow, which equals less nutrients going to your body, less energy, and, and slower healing. Does that make sense for some of you guys? <laughs> Okay, I have some bad news, so everybody sit down. Good. Everybody sit down. You're terminal, okay? You are terminal. Ten out of ten of you will die, okay? I know it's shocking. It's crazy, but it's happening. Here's the good news. I've got, I'm getting to the good news, okay? Here's some things you can do to increase your lifespan. Eat healthy, Show of hands. How many are eating healthy? I mean really healthy. Okay, we got like five. Okay. Uh, exercise regularly. Buddy, you do not eat healthy. Brent, walking to the fridge does not count as ex exercise. Okay. So that, that, there's a couple things you can do. Listen to music. They say that helps increase your, your health. Well, that's easy. I can do that one. Pray. I say prayer, meditation, going out in the in night, looking up at the stars and, and just taking the deep breath and relaxing and, and just letting it all go. That can increase your lifespan. That's easy. This one's tough. Stay positive. Say a positive attitude. And you hear this over and over when people are diagnosed with cancer or something that a lot of times their attitude can either make it or break it. You know, if you go into it with this optimistic, positive. Well, it's the same with life. If you can stay optimistic and positive, but good luck. It's really, really tough. I, find, I struggle with that one. Uh, nurture our relationships. They say people who are surrounded by others and, and have good relationships and take stress away out, out of your life. If you nurture those relationships, that, that, can, that can increase your lifespan. Challenge yourself. You know, my grandpa, he worked till he was 74 years old. And what he did at 74 is he sat down in a recliner and he was dead at 76. So he challenged himself. He, he kept going. He pushed. He kept his brain active. It, it, when we challenge ourselves, I know we sometimes don't enjoy those, but it keeps us young. Uh, lastly, don't use tobacco. Uh, that, that sends you to an early grave. And, and I'm not going to harp on tobacco, but uh, the only thing I'll say is if I, if I saw my friend standing over a campfire coughing his head off, I'd probably go move him. You know what I mean? So stay away from tobacco. But the, the bad news about the good news is that only prolongs our life. We can only add maybe a few years to our life. So what, what I wanted to do this morning was give you guys something bigger than what the world's talking about. Because the world's talking about life and living it to the fullest. And I'm all for that, but... At the same time, if that's all we have, we're in big trouble. Um, our first division here is, is living for the world. So I wanted to take a look at what it's like to live for the world. Uh, and, and you've heard this, this phrase that if you live by the sword, you, if you live by the world, you die by the world, right? And it's very true. Uh, in John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, it says, And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sin will be exposed. So there's the reason. Fear. And I think that's the same reason. And I'm going to throw Christians in this, in this lump too because I think as Christians we get way too comfortable and we go, well, I'm good. I'm saved by the blood of Christ. I'm, I'm good. 
But I think we tend to cling to our flesh. We tend to cling to life and, and building this amazing life. And, and, and I just I want to get completely away from that. And it's fear. It's fear. It's fear that we will be exposed. I know there's one thing that I hate worse than anything is when someone exposes me. You know, when, when you did something wrong and you didn't get away with it. You know, when you did something wrong and someone goes, uh, yeah, I know what you did, you go, you ever get that feeling? It just drains you. <laughs> You're just like, oh, man, I didn't want anybody to know about that. You know, I, I'm, I'm exposed here. I feel like a fraud. I feel like I cheated. I feel like I lied. I, I just, I don't think there's anyone who enjoys that feeling of being exposed. Um, the other thing is what we think about our actions what we deem as right or wrong, it doesn't mean anything. And that's what the world lives on. They live on comparison. They live on um, a standard. I think we're inherent. We, we all are born with the instinct to find a standard. You know, we want to know what is acceptable. We want to know what is good and what is bad. We watch the good people, and we try to emulate the good people. And we look around, and we go, well, that's a bad person. That's a good person. And we try to, I think most of us, for the most part, even the people who are doing wrong, somewhere in them, there's an instinct that goes, I really want to be good. And I think if you walk down the street and you ask everybody you bump into, do you think you're a good person? Most people are going to go, yeah, I'm a good person. But the problem with that is we're using a, a, a false standard. We're using our eyes. We're using what we think. And quite honestly, what you think or what your eyes see doesn't matter. Because there is God. And when you put God in the equation, what you think or what your eyes see all of a sudden doesn't matter. Because if he is creator, and if he's God, then all that matters is his standard. So it's pretty black and white. What is right is right, and what is wrong is wrong. The problem, uh, when you live for this world, when you put all your, your, all, all your eggs in this basket, and you ignore God, and you don't put him first, you don't make him the standard, it's a moving scale. It's a moving bar. It's whatever society thinks at the moment. So, um, if, we, if, if we just, let's pretend for a minute. This is just pretend, so nobody get bent out of shape. Let's pretend that there's no Ten Commandments. Let's pretend that, there, that Jesus didn't come. That, that he didn't give us an example of, of, of living with love and, and pure joy. And, and he didn't make the sacrifice on the cross. Let's just pretend that the evolutionists are right and that we crawled out of a hole and we grew legs and here we are. What's the standard? What is it? Now, is it okay for me to marry my dog? Why not? If I love my dog and I want to marry my dog, Actually, in England, it's a true story. This lady married a tree. She did. She loved it. You know, she went out and hugged her tree, and she married it. And if we take God out of the equation, then where, where's the standard? If, if I decide that I don't like someone, and they said some cross words to me, can I kill them? If I decide I want something more than the other person wants it, can I go steal? And who says it's bad? Who made the standard? Where does it end? And that's exactly where our world's heading. And, you, you know, I know I sound paranoid and I sound, you know, like I'm trying to scare people or whatever, but it's true. Who are you to tell me I'm wrong if there's no standard? If we make the standard, then the standard is whatever I think the standard should be. Or we can base it on society, but society is constantly going down. 
And we see it in countries like Islam, where Islam's present, that, that killing, and like we saw the attacks this, this week, um, to them that's good. And you, it, it blows our mind. We're like, how can that be good? But these are our people that are removed from God. And that's what I'm telling you. They make the standard now. They, they followed a standard that's, that's not of God. So the scale's moving. We have instincts within us to, to do what is right. And when nurtured by God, it can be a beautiful thing. So if there is a God, and Jesus did come in the flesh, and he came down and he saved us, and we honor him with our life, it should be really natural. It should be... This isn't something we're doing because we feel like we want to go to heaven or we feel like we want to be a good person. The, the actions we take as Christians, as followers of Christ, it's because we love him. It's because we recognize how hopeless we were. We recognize how bad off we were. And, and our natural reaction is to give our life back. So... Moving to our second division is not of this world. Actually, I missed the scripture. Let's go back. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Imitate God. Sorry. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or who are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. And I'm not going to shy away from this. I, I think a lot of Christians shy away from this statement. But I'm also not going to pound on the specifics here. I know we can read through this and we can go the homosexuality, the, the thieves, the greedy, the drunkards, the abusive, the cheat. And all that's true. But what God's trying to tell us here is that's a mindset. That's a heart problem. That if you're practicing these things, that if you're doing these things without repentance, that if you don't feel anything through these things, that, that if you feel like this is the standard, this is the way you should live, then you have no part with him. And, and some people go, well, that's really cruel. You know, how could a loving God turn me away? How could he just not ignore my sin? Why can't he just love me for who I am? And the answer is really simple to me. That if God accepted us for this lesser person, for, for the people who decided they wanted to, to live this way, then what would make it heaven? <laughs> it sounds like hell to me, where everybody is self-seeking, everyone's abusive, everyone's going about doing whatever they want to do with no standard. To me, that doesn't sound like heaven. And honestly, what we're doing here, if you're a Christian, is you're preparing for your eternal home. You're preparing to live in a place where all this is gone. So, to me, you can look at it one or two ways. You can go, well, God's just trying to control me. Well, God's just trying to point out all my flaws. Well, well if God was a loving God, he would let me do these things, and he would just forget it when I get to heaven. What God wants is a relationship. He wants you. He wants your heart. And as long as you're focused on these things, you can't have any part with God. You're too focused on this stuff. This stuff is the stuff of life that will consume you, that will take you places you don't want to go, that will hurt you. And, and if, we, if we take that stigma that the world's constantly throwing at us, that, that God is just trying to control you, God's just trying to, to, to take all this stuff and call you out on your sin, and you should be able to do what you want to do. And if God was loving, he'd just forget about all that, and he would just love you for who you are. Well, the truth is God wants to help you. The truth is that God loves you, and he loves you too much. It's like if I saw 
if I saw my best friend John here, if I saw him standing at the edge of a cliff, and he thought that it would be okay if he jumped off it. You know, it's 200 feet to the bottom with rocks down there. And he leans over and he goes, you know what, I think I'll be okay. I think I'll make it. And if I go, yeah, go for it. That wouldn't be love. I wouldn't be showing John kindness. I would just be playing into his ignorance. And, and, and that's what, that's all that God is doing, is he's saying, I love you. And don't do it. It is going to hurt. It is going to kill. It is going to destroy your life. And if, if we as Christians would push this message that God is, is lovingly telling us these things, you know, it, yes, it exposes us. Yes, it confronts us. It, confronts, it should confront you to your core. It should make you examine everything in your life. But that's the good news, is that God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to go down this road. But this is not what he has for us. So, so many of us have fallen in love with life. That sounds bad, right? Like, I'm making that out to be a bad thing, and I should love my life, right? I shouldn't hate life. I should, if we did like some Christians, we'd walk around and we'd look miserable. We'd look judgmental. Uh... We would uh, we'd point out everybody's flaws. I should walk around and just be like, well, my home's not here. My home's in heaven, and I'm, I'm not accepting this. And, and Man, no, that's not it. If you're a Christian this morning, you've received Christ into your life, and you've been forgiven of all this junk that you used to be a part of. Now, I'm not saying that you don't fall back, and you don't, you don't fall. What I'm saying is when you do fall back, you go, that doesn't, that's not me. That's not it. I'm not perfect, but I don't do that anymore. That's not me. I don't like it. And you ask for forgiveness, and, and you feel sorrow. You know, these things didn't used to bother me. They felt natural. But when Christ shined his light on me, and when he exposed me, when he opened my eyes, all of a sudden I go, yeah, I, I can't do that anymore. And I did. I just did it. I don't like it. It hurts. You know, there, there's pain associated with it. So, if you're a Christian this morning, you, you have every reason to smile. You have every reason to be full of joy. You have every reason to live this life to the fullest. Because everything's been exposed. There's no more hiding. There's no more, like, tucking my sin away and hoping people don't find out. There's no more dealing with all this sin that keeps destroying me. And every time I take two steps forward, there's three steps back. And there's no more of that because my life is with Christ now. You know, and I'm forgiven and, and I can get over these things. I can get past them, not for the sake of getting past them, but I can get past them with Christ because he's come into my life. He's made me softer. He, he's, he's opened my eyes. He's given me uh, love and joy. You know, and in the darkness... And that living for the world, that's where the drama exists. You know, that's where all the, the insecurities exist. That's where all the things that used to drag you down, that's where it exists. It exists in the world. And I'm telling you, the world has been trying to heal itself since the beginning of time. And as a result, it gets worse. <laughs> and it gets worse. And I think that's that nature I was talking about is people want to know what's right and wrong. They want to do what's right. And the people against God's word, I don't think they, they're, they're, you know, just completely trying to be irrational. I think in their minds, they're going, well, if we just lighten up, if we just let everybody do whatever they want to do, and everybody just does what they want to do, then things should get better. And as a result, everything gets worse. So if we follow this standard, um, there should be peace. You know, there should be a a calmness in you. I no longer live just to stay alive. I'm not just on this planet to walk around and to, to work and to have a family and to, you know, make some money and to live comfortably or whatever. I'm here as God's soldier. I'm here with a hope and a future 
My life, my life is no longer centered around what the world tells me I should or shouldn't do. My life is no longer pointless. I don't just live and I don't just start to decay and then die and then it's over and then all that's left of me is a stone out, sticking out of the ground. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here in preparation for my eternal home. And I'm here to tell others. I'm here to, to let everybody else know that there is a, a wealth. You know, it's like this. If, if I was digging up, if I was digging a hole to plant a tree in my yard, and I came, I hit a box, and I opened it, and there's treasure. And I go dig another hole in it. And I, I start digging, and I hit another box full of treasure. And everywhere I dig, I hit treasure. And it's endless. I mean, it just goes on and on. Everywhere I dig, there's treasure. What kind of person wouldn't go to everyone and go, hey, grab your shovel? Because there's an endless treasure over here. Seriously, it's amazing. And, and that's what we're here for. We're here to tell the world that the standards they've set up, they don't work. That if you would just follow me, if you would just take a few steps, if you would just dig into what God has for you, there's, a, there's an endless spring. There's a well of knowledge. There's, there's a peace and a joy that passes all of man's understanding. That all the things you've been seeking your entire life, all the things you've been looking for your entire life, I've got them. I've found them. Does that mean that we don't get depressed sometimes? Does that mean that sometimes life doesn't just waylay us? That, that sometimes we don't get knocked to our knees? That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that when we do, that we know there's more. We know that there's a God who's picking us up. We know that this isn't the end. We know that it's not hopeless. We have a group of people around us that go, this ain't the end. That's what the church is about. That's what God established, that we're not alone, that we're not flailing around. You know, the world, it's seriously, it, it's, it's in a cave of darkness. And it's just flailing around, feeling for whatever feels good or right, looking for the way. And we've ha we have the way. We have the truth. We have the light. You know, and it's literally like that. If you can imagine the world flailing around, just feeling for whatever they can find in, a dark, in the darkness, pitch black. It's like going from that cave to going outside. And when you go outside, it's like, wow. Now, what, the only difference was you made a transition. You went from one place to another. It was always there. The outside was always there. All these beautiful things that you've never seen were always there. You just didn't step into them. And that's what God's asking us to do. And I'm not talking about just the person who's never done it. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about those of us who, who forget. And we wake up each day and we focus on our jobs and we focus on our lives and we focus on the drama. You know, and there's so many times I look around and there's, there's 12 good things surrounding me. And then there's one negative thing over here. And you know where I like to go? I like to go that one negative. You know how insulting that is to God? You know how insulting it is that he's filled my lives with blessings and I instinctively go to the one thing that's going to bring me down, you know? These are real problems. Um, let me ask you this. Let's go to Ephesians. Um, Actually, I skipped one again, didn't I, John? First John 2, 5, 15 through 17. Sorry, John. Um, here we go. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love this world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure and a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. It doesn't get much simpler than that. You know, so many people say, I, I can't read the Bible. I, it's so difficult. It's so complex. And, and I get what you're saying. If you get into Leviticus and you start in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, I, okay, I'm with you. But if you look at God's word, it's so simple. You know, he's continually pleading with you. 
He's continually on your heart and he's telling you that do not focus on this life. Do not cling to this life because it is fading. It is fading. And if you want a surefire way straight into depression, then focus on your circumstances of your life. Focus on your health issues. Focus on all those things and you can live a miserable life just like most people do. But if you want real hope, and you want something real, you want something solid, you want something that, that incites passion, live for the Father. Live for God. Live for something real. Live for something that continues, that's eternal. Everything we have, everything we do. And I'm not, I'm not starting a campaign to sell all your goods. And I'm, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, and I'm not starting a campaign that says you shouldn't care about your job, you shouldn't care about your family. I'm telling you that if your number one isn't God and your number one isn't pleasing Him and living for Him and, and focusing on Him, if you lose focus off of that, that all your actions besides that are worthless because they'll all be burned up. And all you'll have to show is a stone sticking out of the ground. And who cares how big that stone is? You know, I don't really care. You can throw me in a dumpster if you want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's fading away. Uh, in Ephesians 5, 1 through 9, God couldn't make it any simpler. Imitate God in everything you do. Why? Because you are his dear children. See, God doesn't bring us, when, when we go to heaven, when we, we, we place our trust in our lives in Jesus Christ and, and we forsake all others and we, we put him first, God doesn't bring us in the back door of heaven. He doesn't bring us around the side door and go, you know what, you're, you're kind of one of those, uh, you know, I'm God and, and that's my son and that's true. I mean, they're, they're magnificent and creator of all and, and, and glorious and that's what makes us even more mind-blowing is that God doesn't bring you around the back door and go, okay, you can come in here. Don't let anybody see it because I don't want to be associated with you. You're, you made it. You're here, but I kind of want you in the background. I kind of want you on the side. You're, you're just kind of here to serve me. To, you're just kind of here as, you know, the guy who's going to keep the place clean. That's not what God brings us in as. He brings us in as his dear children. You know, can you imagine that? that all this pain and all the suffering and all the depression and all the things we've dealt with on this planet, that one day, and this is reality, this is more real than us sitting in this room, that one day, you're going to come face to face with God. You know, and if you followed Him and you've trusted Him with your life and you've made Him your number one, oh man, He's going to take you in His arms and He's going to hug you like you're you're one of his dear children. He places great value on you. The creator of all things, the star breather, the one who creates whatever he wants and is always expanding the universe. The one that creates what we know of, 300,000 plus universes, a sun you can't get anywhere near, and that's one of the smallest suns in, in all the universes. That God, the God who keeps this earth spinning on its axis nonstop, as how do we not fly off this planet? I don't know. We're spinning we're upside down. We got all kinds. Of, we got chaos in the universe. What they say, chaos. There's. We hear stuff like there's an asteroid just flew by Earth a million miles away, and we almost got killed. We almost got obliterated. That God who controls all of that, who allows that going to go on constantly. He wants to embrace you. He wants to love you. He wants to take you in as one of His own. He wants to make you a dear. I don't care what anybody said about you. I don't care what you've done. God doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care that you went off the tracks. He knows you went off the tracks. He, he knows all things. He's not concerned with how you grew up. He's not concerned with what kind of money you make. He's not concerned with what kind of sin you've committed. He's not concerned with any of that. He's concerned with this. He wants you as his dear child. Now, was there a price for all that sin? Absolutely. 
And, and that's, that's where we find this place where we just, we, we find this deep compassion and we find this, this something that, you ever get that, that cold chill from God? Because we realize, I deserved all that. That should have been on me. But the God who created everything came down and he took it for me. Everything I deserved, he took it for me. And that's when we, that's when we harbor a relationship. That's, when, that's the beginning when we realize that of this relationship that we start with God. And that's where these actions come out of. That's where the, the desire to follow his standard, that's where it comes from. It's from that deep knowledge of that cross up there. He took it for me. So abstain from these things. Run from these things and, and become one of God's dear children. Live a life filled with love. Now, let me ask you something. I'm going to read this scripture. And as I'm reading through it, I want you to ask yourself, do you think I would regret a life lived like this? Do you think that when I get to be on my deathbed, I'm going to think back to my life and I'm going to say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that, okay? So in everything you do, because you're dear, dear children of God, live a life filled with love. Follow the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, as a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place with God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be a thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. For the greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on the disobedient. Don't participate in these things. These people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light of the Lord. So live as a people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Now when you're thinking through your life and you're, you're struggling for those last breaths, are you going to go, man, I wish I wouldn't have lived in the light. Man, I wish I wouldn't have wasted all that time being kind and loving, joyful, living in peace with everyone. Man, I wish I wouldn't have spent all that time praying and worshiping. I wish I wouldn't have taken that time to, to look at those stars and, and, and imagine God's creation and thank him for every breath. I don't think so. On the other hand, now if you live your life full of greed, only self-seeking, only going after the things you want, only putting all your eggs in this life, then you're going to get this overwhelming feeling that, oh my gosh, it's over. It's over. That's the danger of living for this world. That's the danger of living for your flesh is that you're going to get to the end and you're not going to like it, I promise. You're not going to like it. It's summed up in these few verses. I'm not going to regret it and you're not either. I promise you. And Kelly, could you come up? Almost everybody on this planet is living for one thing, <laughs> to stay alive. They just want to stay alive. They just want to prolong it. They don't, they don't want to give it up. And all that is is pride. All that is is that way of living that's in the darkness. And what I'm telling you this morning is that if you've never crossed into that light, if you've always just lived to stay alive, if you've always just lived to make it to the next moment, if you've always just lived to improve your position, that the good news is, and the gospel, the good news of Christ is, you can lay it all down. You can let it go. And in that letting go, you're going to find the amount of peace and joy and relief that you could never have imagined. And that's what God intended for us. This life is burdensome. It's heavy. This life is hard. But there's peace. There's relief. There's joy. There's a future. There's a hope. There's eternity. There's so much more. 
If you're a Christian, you should get this. You know? You should know this. I'm encouraging this morning to, to remember. The Bible tells us to remember the joy of our salvation. To go back. Not back to the sin and the darkness, but go back to the joy of your salvation. Go back to, to understanding that you could be in that darkness. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to focus on that one thing. Let's focus on the 12. You know, let's deal with the one thing. I'm not telling you to put your head in the sand and ignore it, but, but look around, you know? Shouldn't be a day that goes by as a Christian that you don't count your blessings. That you don't wake up and you go, God, thank you. First of all, that I'm breathing. And that I had an opportunity to accept you. That, that you came into my life. Let's take one minute, okay? I'm a doctor. Not really, but let's pretend I'm a doctor, okay? I've just walked into the room. You had a physical at work. No big deal, right? And I'm a doctor, and I just walked into the room, and I've got a really blank look on my face. And I tell you, you need to sit down. Um, we found something, and it's bad. You're ate up with cancer. And I'm sorry, but you have two weeks. At that moment, what matters? What matters? That, that dream, that illusion of clinging to your life, of building your life, of, of staying alive, that's over. That's over. And this isn't unrealistic. This happens all the time. And sooner or later, it's probably going to happen to you. So the question is, are you prepared? Are you ready? In my mind, the only thing that matters at that moment, how did I live? And where am I going? It's the only two that matter. So I'm pleading with you this morning. God's pleading with you this morning. He wants your heart. And he wants your life. He wants, to, he wants you to examine, to be real for just a minute. And just let it down. Let it go. And to stop living for all of these things that are fading. To stop putting your focus and your energy on all the things that are nothing. And focus on what is real. Focus on the hope and the truth and the life that he's put before you. It's right there. You can choose the cave and you can stumble around in the darkness your whole life. Or you can just walk outside and enjoy all the things that God has for us. There's probably some in this building. There's probably some. There's churches full of people who are still living to stay alive. I'm ready to drop it. And Matt, my, my final scripture here, Matthew 10, 37 through 39. If you love your father or mother more than me, you are not worthy to be mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to this life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life to me, then you'll find it. Man, that's so relieving. What God's telling me is give up. Stop. Just stop trying. Stop trying to make it. Stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to follow the world standards. Stop trying to stay alive. And then just, just come into me and enjoy me. So if you cling to this, cling to it with all you got and enjoy it because it's going and you can look in the mirror and you know that's true. But if you give it up, you lay it down and you hand it over and God's going to take your life and he's going to change you. He's going to change your heart. 
He's going to change your mind. He's going to fill you with joy and peace like you've never known. And that is a guarantee. And Matt, or, uh, I, was, I heard this song. It's Toby Mac's song. I'm stealing some of his stuff, so hope he doesn't mind. In one of his songs, he says, this shell we're living in, it's just a rental. <laughs> Problem is, a lot of us are buying. We're buying up real estate. And we're treating this like our permanent home. If you're a Christian this morning, this is not your home. We're passing through. And our, our home is already established. It's with him. This is just our rental. Let's pray. Dear God, there's some in this room that have never really given up life. There's some here that they're still clinging to it. and they're, Everywhere they've turned, they've made a mess. And it seems like every time they try to follow the standard of the world, life gets worse. So God, what we're asking this morning is that those of who have never given their life to Christ, who have never really surrendered, that they would just leave it at, at the cross. That they would just cling to you this morning. And they would let it all go. And they would pick up a new life, Lord. They'd pick up a life where they trust you. and They live for you. And all they've done is forgiven. And they'd find that joy and that peace it only comes through surrender in Jesus Christ. Lord, for those that are among the church, those that have given their life, they've surrendered it. But Lord, they keep running back. They keep picking up that old life and they keep focusing on staying alive and they keep focusing on their circumstances. Pray that they could give that up this morning. Lord, that we would be sold out to you. Lord, that we would focus on our eternal home. That we would truly enjoy every moment. God, we thank you. On our own, we're hopeless. But with you, Father, you take it all. And you took it all. So, Lord, renew our spirits. Renew the joy of our salvation. Changes this morning, Lord. That's the beautiful thing about you, God, is we're just a prayer away. Lord, one heartfelt prayer away from making a decision from changing our lives, Lord. We thank you for the salvation that awaits. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, who took our punishment. It's in Jesus' name. So trusting Jesus is our only really hope. I'd encourage you to lose this life. Amen.